morning. I don't think anybody said good morning back. Wow, that's a first. That's a first. Uh, it's going to be good morning. Um, so uh, grab your Bibles. We're going to be in Psalm 4. So flip the Bible in half and you should be there. So we just finished uh, the book of Colossians. Uh, we were in the book of Colossians for a couple months and we finished the book of Colossians. So we're going to be in Psalms now for probably eight, uh, nine weeks uh, leading up to Labor Day. And then after that, we're going to jump into our vision and mission. And the reason I'm going to do vision and mission that many of you were not with us when we did our vision and mission in the first place. So it will be a great time for us to just get on the same page. For us to understand what's the vision of our church, what's, how we're going to live that out. Um, and so that's going to be after Labor Day. We're going to do that for a couple weeks. We're actually going to study for, for five weeks. Uh, and then after that, we'll jump into Jonah, and that will get you to Advent. Like, look at that. We just planned half a year with you. So that's, that's going to be our calendar. And, uh, and so uh, throughout the week now, you can start reading Psalms. You can kind of pray them. Study them. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be in Psalm. So we'll be in Psalm 4. And so as you get there, as you get to Psalm 4, I want to share a story that happened to me this week. Right, A story that's something that happened to me on Monday. And it's something that I, don't wish, I want to wish upon anyone. Uh, something that hurts. Something that causes you not to sleep well. Something that, uh, that causes you to barely walk. Something that any movement that you have actually like shh throws like shocks throughout your whole body, um, right? Like, and you're thinking like, this is going to be something super horrible. Well, I pulled my back on Monday. So I pulled my back Monday and you think like, man, you pull your back doing like something heroic, right? Like maybe saving uh, a cat from a falling tree or like picking up a car or like something with our kids or my wife. No, like, no, like I pulled my back bowling. You can laugh. It's okay. Like I, I laughed. Uh, and so I pulled my back bowling. Like, I lined up. It was the first shot, too. Like, this is not, like, halfway through the game. I'm like, oh, I pulled my back. No, it was the first shot. I was the first one in our line of four. So I, I go, and I, it's a 12-pound ball. Like, it's not like, like a 16-pound ball or, like, something heavy. No, it's a 12-pound ball. I line up, you know, and I don't do that spin stuff or whatever. Like, I just go straight down the middle. So I line up. I go there. And by the time the ball reached right here, like this motion, I knew something bad happened. I felt it, it tweaked, um, but guess what? I played three games, right? And so um, I bowled three games, and so, but Tuesday rolled around. So that night, I, I mean, I was sore, I was hurt, but Tuesday rolled around. And when Tuesday rolled around, I looked like an 85-year-old man trying to walk. And not like, you know, I'm not dissing on an 85-year-old man, but just an 85-year-old man who has, like, back problems, that's what I look like. I mean, like, I walked around like this, trying to, like, go from place to place. I couldn't sit. I couldn't lay down. Like, every motion hurt. And, um, and, and it wasn't like a headache kind of hurt. Like, it wasn't just, like, take a pill and you're good to go. They're like, that's just throughout the day. Like, you're just kind of walking with it. Um, every step you take, you're like, oh, it's there. Okay, I felt it again. And that was throughout the whole week, right? And so uh, Tuesday, on Tuesday, it's my sermon prep day. So Tuesday is a day where I, I get down and I start studying the text for the following week. And, and so I open this Psalm 4 and I read through it. And I realized that this psalm is written in the middle of pain. I was like, really, God? Like, I'm in pain. The psalm is written in the middle of pain. And yes, um, 
the pain that David is, is experiencing is not a bad backache, right? Like, the pain that David is experiencing is a lot more than my back pain. Like, I'm just making it kind of funny and kind of light of the pulled muscle here. But, like, but some, but, but here's the thing. Some of you in here are experiencing or going through pain that feels like a ton of bricks. Some of you have been living in some of these kind of suffering moments for weeks, months, and maybe years. And so some of you have been going through this, this same pain, whatever this pain was or is, you've been going through for, for a long time. And it would be wrong for us to say, well, David's pain is a lot more than yours, so get over it. Like, that, that would be not the right thing to do. The purpose of this psalm is to not figure out what's the pain level that it becomes okay to complain. Like, that's not the point of the psalm. Because pain, hurt, and trials, and suffering are unique to each person. So each one of you, whoever, whatever that pain, suffering, hurt that you experience, it's unique to you, and, you're, and you experience it. Whatever that it is, and it is real to you. Whether it's a chronic pain, right? Like maybe you live in this chronic pain always. You experience this. Or it's maybe an emotional hurt. You may have get emotionally hurt some time ago and, and it's still there. You, you experience it. It's, a, it's, it's real to you. you. You feel it daily. Maybe it's a death in the family. You lost someone and there's a grief, a grief in your heart. Only you know how deeply it affects you. And, and this kind of psalm is left behind to be a, a help. This kind of psalm helps us understand what's going on in our hearts in the midst of pain. It's this kind of psalm that we can kind of, you know, we, we read, we study it, and we see what happens with our hearts while we are in pain. And we look at David as an example of how to talk to God in the midst of this kind of pain. And, and even evaluate our hearts. Evaluate our hearts while we experience this kind of pain. Um, but here's something I, got. I do have to say this. That, that not all of us are experiencing pain. Maybe you're sitting here and you're in a good season. Maybe you, you've, it's been a good season in your life. You're, you've been joyful. You're, you're having just a very good season in your life, right? And, and so whenever I was talking about pain, you're like, oh man, I, I feel like I need to muster some kind of pain in your life. And you don't need to. It's a good season. It's a, it's a blessing from God that you are experiencing this. And so, so as you experience this, just know, let these words that we're going to study sit with you for a long term. Let them sit with you for a long term because each one of us in here will have a season that's going to be awesome and we're going to have a season that's going to be not so awesome. A season of pain and suffering. And so when the hardships come, may you remember these words from this psalm. Let these words be a, a comfort to you. But it, while you're in this season of joy and awesomeness, uh, just season of joy, be reminded today where that joy comes from. Be reminded where that joy comes, comes and where that joy is fully rooted. Right? So we're going to be studying Psalm 4. So if you're able, please stand as we read this together. Give me a second. Just grab your Bibles. It's not working, so... We'll read this together, Psalm 4. 
Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. But the Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts and on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good. Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grains and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of God. You can have a seat. So, if you were here with us when we studied Psalm 3, the context of Psalm 3 is this psalm. So basically, Psalm 3 context and Psalm 4 are very similar, right? It's the story of David and his son Absalom. It's the story of David who was anointed king over Israel and his son who turned against him. So whenever I say that, whenever I say uh, it's a story of a king who was anointed by God and his son who turned against him, right away you're like, that's a bad story. Like, it can't end well, right? And uh, if you remember the context of the story, people were bringing their troubles to the king. People were coming to King David with their, their concerns their, and their, um, their problems. And, and King David was not able to hear everyone. And Absalom, knowing that situation, would sit at the front of the gate, right? And would listen to people and give them counsel. So he was prepping for something. He was prepping for his revolt, and people loved Absalom. People loved Absalom. And, and the Bible tells us that the hearts of Israel churn towards Absalom. Again, uh, those, those little details, when, when it, you read in Scripture, like, people churn towards Absalom, you just know, like, this story is not going to end well, right? And, um, and then, dur- this is during the time of mo- monarchy. So if you're thinking, like, what kind of... What kind of government did they have? They had monarchy, which means only way to take the throne was either if a king steps down. So, so it's, a, it's a king ruling kind of time. And so either a king steps down from it or somebody comes and kills the king, takes over the throne. Right? So that's, that's the time of it. And, uh, and so if you remember from Psalm 3, David has escaped in fear of his life. And he's hiding in a cave with some of his loyal friends. He has some good friends around him. He's, he's with them. Not many friends. Not many. A lot of them have left him, actually. But there's a group of them. And David is hiding in a cave. And the word gets to him that Absalom has been killed. And even though this means his life is not, is, is not in danger anymore, David doesn't celebrate. He, he's a father, right, who just lost his kid. And so in 2 Samuel 18, uh, you don't have to flip there. I'll just read it to you. Uh, in, in 2 Samuel 18.33, we see a picture, full picture of what David experiencing. And the king, talking about David, was deeply moved and went up to the chambers and over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Like, do you see the grief that, that, that David is experiencing? 
in the midst of this kind of pain, he just lost his son. He writes Psalm 4. We get a conversation between David and God. We get a conversation of like, look, I'm in pain and here is what I write. And so he starts off, verse 1 of, of chapter 4 of um, Psalm. It says, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So the first thing that stands out in this, in this verse is that David doesn't run away from God. He doesn't run away from God. He actually runs towards Him. So in the moment of pain, moment of hurt, moment of suffering, it is ever so tempting to run from God, right? Most, ha- most of us have experienced that in our lifetime when pain and hurt and suffering knocks at the door. Our hearts want to run. We want to run from God and start to question God. We, we run and yell back. It's, it's like we're running away from God and yell back and say, hey, I thought you loved me and, and this, this happened to me. And, and I've done this more than I would like to admit. I've done this more than I'd like to admit in moments when, sure, I had real suffering, but even in moments when things didn't go my way, just, just simple things that didn't go my way, and I would do the same thing. I thought you loved me. How do you let this happen to me? And so this happens to me a lot, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Um, as soon as this, so this thought that hits me now, as soon as this hot thought that hits me, God, I thought you loved me. Where are you? I, I know what's happening now. I know what's happening, and, and it's, it's, I can kind of almost evaluate. It's like a litmus test for me. I know what's happening in my heart. I often don't, don't follow through with, with like to, to do what David does, but, but at least I know what's happening and, because it just shows that I want to run. I want to hide from God. I want to blame God. But David does the opposite here. He does the opposite. He runs to God. And he says, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So instead of running from God, he's looking back and remembers how God has given him relief before. He remembers that God has carried him in the past. He remembers remembers that God has been with him. And if God has carried him in the past, why wouldn't God carry him now? But David also knows that the hope that he has in God is the same hope that others around him need, right? So that's why in verse 2 he says, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you, you love vain words and seek after lies? So when David says, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? David's honor is deeply connected to God's honor. And God, God has anointed him as king. And, and when people reject David's kingship and... and, and and whenever they reject David's kingship and went with Absalom, instead they're truly rejecting what God has ordained. And David has these two questions reveal, reveal much of even our heart, right? They're like, how long would I believe lies? And how long will I reject what God has ordained instead of giving him honor and glory? And so I look at my life. I look at my life and, and, and God has carried me through, through many, many stories. Like I look back and I'm like, oh man, like he provided for us in this way. And he has walked with us through this and, and that, right? And but when trials hit, when trials hit, when, when there's a little bit of suffering hit, happens in my life, 
I still believe the lies of those questions, right? I still believe the lies that God is not near. I still believe that this time around, God is not for me, but against me. And when things fall apart, when trials hit, when when you feel hurt, when pain is all you have, no matter how small or how big, where does your heart turn to? Do you turn to God? Or do you turn away from God? Now look at verse 3. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So the first thing that David does is he turns to God. And now we see him rest in God-given identity. He's saying the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. And the Lord hears when I call to him. So what is David doing? David is reminding himself of his true identity. What's his true identity? That he's the son of God. That he has been adopted by God into God's family. And that he is loved. So when pain and suffering happens in our lives, at first we want to run away from God. And then we tend to forget our true God-given identity. Maybe that's why it's so easy to throw God into a judgment seat and question Him, Where are you? I thought you loved me. Turning to God and remembering your identity are connected to each other. They're connected to each other. In other words, if you turn away from God, you probably will be leaning towards a false identity. If you turn towards God, then it's much easier to remember that you are chosen, adopted son and daughter of God. So if you turn to God, it's easier to remember what your true identity really is. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Your pain can be magnified if you're living in the wrong identity. Your pain will be magnified if you're living in the wrong identity. For example, if you believe about yourself that you're this awesome businessman, you think you're just this, this savvy, amazing, the, the next big thing, right? Like you, that's what you think of yourself, that's, and you be, that becomes your identity. What happens if you lose your job? You are crushed. You're crushed not just because you lost your job. You're crushed because your identity was wrapped in your job. Sure, you would experience some pain for losing a job because everybody experienced that, but you'll be experiencing major pain if your identity was as a great businessman. So let me, let me give you an example from my life about this. So about four years ago, about four years ago, I applied to be a church planter, to, to plant a church with our current net, network, Acts 29. So I applied, and there was a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of paperwork. I filled everything out and finally had my interview. I go through this interview, and it's this really intense interview where they have, like, it's a whole day, me and Sarah, and they just kind of ask many, 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 many questions. And so, so we go through this interview process, and, 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 um, and after the interview, uh, they were really kind. I mean, like, they were gracious to us. And they said that I'm not ready yet to find a church. And uh, I was crushed. I, I was crushed. This is four years ago. I was devastated. I was crushed. And, and I was a lot more pain than one should feel from rejection. Right? The reason I felt so much pain was because, uh, because it was not because of what they said to me. It was, they didn't say no. They said not yet. But I heard no because it was wrapped in my identity. I identify myself as a church planter so much that whenever they said not yet, I felt crushed. 
And now looking back, now looking back, the way, the, that was a loving God allowing me to experience that so that I can uproot my false identity as a church planter. I am adopted. I am chosen. I'm a child of a glorious God. And I happen to lead a pretty great church. So when hurt and pain happens in your life, is your, is your identity rooted in Jesus? So when hurt and pain happen in your life, is your identity rooted in Jesus? So we see David turns to God. David rests in his God-given identity. And then look at verse 4. He says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder on, in your own heart on your beds and be silent. So what happens when a few things go wrong in your day? What happens when a few things go wrong in your day? Like, you, you know that you're like, okay, so for me to leave my house, I need to leave at a certain time to get on time. But you leave your house and you just hit every red light. And then, you know, you hit every red light. You're like, really? Why is it every light has to be red? And then it just happens to be some, some guy decides to slam on his brakes right, right in front of you. Right? Like, what, what happens to you? What happens? What happens? I, I, you start to get anger, right? You're, you're running late to work, and so now you're blaming the red lights and the guy in front of you, and so you're starting to get a little angry. But who are you angry with? Is it the guy who slammed on the brakes? Is it really at the lights? Maybe, maybe a little bit. Like, he slammed on the brakes, so it really did kind of boil you over a little bit. But ultimately, you are angry with God. And here's how it plays out. Here's how it plays out. Uh, there's a football player who communicated all of this through one tweet. He communicated all of this. This is Stevie Johnson, and it's not like he's a great football player or not anything, but, but he was playing for Buffalo Bills back in the day, and after dropping several passes uh, during the game, which resulted of them losing this one particular game, and I think it was a game that ultimately uh, led them not to go to playoffs, right? Like, so it was a pretty important, day, pretty important game. He drops this, and then he tweets this. He, he goes on Twitter, and he writes this. He goes, I praise you 24-7, and this is how you do me? You expect me to learn from this? How? I'll never forget this, ever. Isn't that kind of funny? Isn't that kind of funny, right? Like, as I read that, like, uh, I praise you 24-7, this is how you do me? Like, as I say that, like, there's a, like, really, he goes there? He's saying it in extreme, something that all of us feel. I, I get it. It's an extreme version of how we all feel. Let me just give you an example. It's another red light. I praise you 24-7 and you give me another red light? Come on, God. It's another fight. Really? Like, I just had a hard day, God. I praise you. I, was, I had a quiet time this morning. And I, I really, I mean, I even worship to your CDs or whatever in the car. And then I get home and now it's a fight? Come on, I praise you 24-7. And this is what happens? Or you get fired. You get fired. I praise you 24-7? Where are you? Why have you abandoned me? You do this to me? And David is in his prayer saying, Be angry, but do not sin. Ponder in your own heart on your bed and be silent. It's hard not to speak out when pain is in your life. It's hard not to say anything when trials are around you. Your heart feels and it wants to complain. Like when you experience some pain, you want them to be relieved through your mouth, right? Like you're just like, I can't, this is, I'm hurting. I need to, like they need to come out of my mouth. And, and guess what? Words are rarely kind in that moment, right? 
Like, rarely you're like, man, that person is so amazing. Like, that, that doesn't happen, right? Like, if you're going through suffering, you're always, you're, the words that will be coming out are usually kind of rough. You speak unkind, harsh words towards them. Whether it's a guy who slammed on the brake in front of you, or if it's just a red light and you're just cussing at the red light. And Jesus says in Luke 6, 45, he says, The good person out of a good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil for the from out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks so your heart feels pain and there's nothing wrong with with feeling that pain but if anger but angry words are spilled out of you that's the indication that your heart is in the wrong place so when the words come out and, and they are in anger and they're harsh, that just shows where your heart really truly is. So examine your heart. Has your anger turned against God? Are you complaining? Are your complaints really against Him? So David, in the midst of this kind of pain, right? Like he's, he's hurting. This kind of pain says, be angry and don't sin. Go and ponder in your own bed and be silent. And then in verse 5, he says, Offer right sacrifice and put your trust in the Lord. So, so don't, don't speak words that will offend others, but offer right sacrifice and put your trust in the Lord. Like Now, churn your hearts towards worship. Not only churn to God, not, not only rest in His identity, examine your heart and worship the one true God. Did you know? Did you know that each Sunday there's someone near you who's, who is experiencing pain? Did you know that? That every Sunday, sure, we might be singing a song or something, but somebody near you is experiencing pain. Did you know that? that, that that's one of the reasons when I say, hey, pray for the person to the left or right of you. Because you might be the only person who prays for them this week. Sunday morning is not a place to just sing just joyful songs, period. Every person here is in a different place. Every person here is dealing with something different and the ups and downs of life. I remember a few years ago uh, at our church in Fort Collins, one couple was going through a grief of miscarriage. They, they were praying for a while. They were, they were praying for a long time to have a child, and, and they got pregnant, and they told everyone about this. They were like, look, we were praying for years to have a child, and now we have a child. And uh, they were so excited. I mean, I, mean, I, I remember them, uh, them sharing this with us, but then they lost their baby. They lost the baby, and naturally that took them to a pretty dark place. They eventually didn't want to come to church, and as they, were, they stopped showing up to church, uh, we reached out to them to find out why. And they said, worship is hard for us. Worship is hard for us. We don't want to sing joyful songs in the midst of such a great hardship. And what they were saying is that when I'm confused by God's plan and not sure about God's goodness, it's hard to run to Him and worship it's hard to run to him and worship. And I know many have felt this. I, like this couple, many have experienced that. And man, isn't that understandable? Isn't that like totally understandable? And yet David says, David says, in the midst of this deep brokenness, he says, offer right sacrifice and put your trust in the Lord. 
What he's saying is that we worship God not because of our circumstances, but because He is God and He is trustworthy and He is with you. When you're going through suffering, worship can remind you that God is walking with you through it. When you're going through something and you feel weak and you don't even have words, I would say like that, that's, that is worship at its purest. Everything in you screams, I don't have it. I am weak. You, Jesus, you are strong. Isn't that worship at its purest? Shouldn't that be a place where all of us go every Sunday? I am weak. I am broken. I need you, Jesus. You are the strong one for me. In the midst of suffering, we turn to God. We rest in His identity. We examine our heart. We turn our heart towards God and worship Him. And here's what happens. And here's, here's how, what, what will happen, actually. In verse 6, we see there are many who will say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. So here's what's happening, right? So like David is in a cave. They have been on the run and, and hiding. And, and his son is dead. And people around him are saying, What's going to happen now? What's going to, king, king, what, what's going to happen now? How is this going to turn out good? And David answers them, but he answers them in a prayer. He says, lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. He doesn't give in to their question. He doesn't give in to the question, but he prays to God. And I love the honesty here. I love the honesty here because that is us. That is us. This is me. In the midst of suffering, I'm always like, how is this going to turn out to good? Like, how... I'm late to work. How is this good? Like, thanks, God. Like, what well, really? You, you did? Like, I, I feel that, right? I'm the guy who always, in the midst of trial, suffering, or just even things that are going out my way, I'm the guy who's always saying those questions. But what David does is brilliant. He, he, he knows that in the midst of summer, in the midst of suffering, all you see is, well, suffering. It's, that's all around you. It's like a foggy day and you're trying to drive and you see, all you see is fog around you. No matter where you look, it's fog. And you realize that. The vision is completely clouded. And during that time, many questions come to mind. Many questions come to mind. Many, many doubts are born. Many, many uh, ifs appear in your life. You start to go, well, if this happened then, or, 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 or like... Can I really believe this? And David is saying, Father, I know you're in this cave. I know you're in this cave. Reveal your presence to us because we desperately need to see you. You have provided. You are my identity. You guide my heart. You alone I worship. And I know you are here, so lift your light upon us. So in the midst of suffering, we need to see you, God. So when you're suffering, when you're in trial or, or things are going rough in your life, is your prayer, show me a way out? Or is it, show me you? So David ends his prayer by saying, you have put more joy in my heart, verse 7, than they have when they are grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. If you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So he ends, this, he ends this prayer with joy, peace, and rest. 
So in the midst of suffering, those things that are the ones that are absent, right? Like you know, if you if you felt pain before, you don't definitely experience joy, peace, and, and rest. Like that just, that doesn't happen. Those are opposite of what you experience. So how can David say these things? He's not crazy. He's suffering. He's grieving, but he's letting go of himself and letting God in. God alone is the one who can give you, give, give him, give David rest. He's able to experience joy and peace and rest because he runs to God. He worships God and he's experiencing what only God can give him. Joy, peace, and rest. Listen, I, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what, where you are today. I don't know what, what part of season of life you are in. I, I don't know if you're doing well. I don't know if you're suffering. I don't know if you're feeling broken. But I do know that the the God of grace meets all of us with his grace. David's life was marked by sin. His life was marked by brokenness. His life was not perfect at all. In the midst of this, he's able to run to God and not because of himself. This This is not something that you look at David and you're like, wow, David is awesome. No, it's because God gives him grace. No matter what's happening in your life, God is able to give you grace. God is able to walk with you. God does care for his children. Let me me say that again. God does care for his children. God is with you. There's one more thing to point out. One more thing to point out in this psalm um, when we're suffering. That our greatest comfort and our greatest hope. We know that in this psalm, we know that in this psalm, we, that King David left his throne, right? Like as I share the context of the story, we know that King David left his throne. We, we know King David was facing death. We know that King David back was against the wall. We know that King David was in the cave. But this points us to another king, right? Another king that comes many years later. The king that we worship today. The king too left his throne and joined the broken creation. This king too faced the unthinkable. This king too was facing death. But this king died. And this king was buried in a cave. But he conquered death. Defeated sin and death. This king is Jesus who faced death for you. He conquered death for you. He conquered it so you can have eternal life. This is the real reason that you're able to experience grace in the midst of anything that you're going through is because it's Jesus and what He accomplished on the cross. Hebrews 4.15 tells us, it says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus gets you. Jesus gets you. Jesus understands what you're going through. No matter how dark it is, He gets you. And He meets you with His grace in the midst of that. And we all know that He promised that He will never leave us or forsake us. So may we remember that. No matter where we are today, no matter if we are in the midst of suffering or we're having a a joyful, let let this be a reminder that Jesus got us. He's our comfort. 
He is our strength. We can be weak. We are weak. Let us rest in that. Let me pray for us.